all the great things that are uh, launching this summer with all the new products. We're also going to have a section uh, that's going to be where I'm going to be answering questions from you guys, the listeners. And I have a pile of questions, a bunch that I've uh, responded to by email, but I figured if if, uh, one person asked the question, it's probably best that I go ahead and answer it on the podcast because I'm sure... Uh, other people have the same question. So hope you guys like this format. We're going to have some fun with it and try and get uh, down to the nitty gritty and get that information out there. I've uh, been getting so much uh, response and uh, comments about uh, how informed and educated uh, you know people feel this podcast is. And, that, and that's about the biggest compliment that I can get. Uh, we're all about trying to inform and educate and try and get as much information out there to you guys, uh, the sportsmen, uh, so that you can go about your hunts and uh, you know hunt better, fish better, and enjoy what you're doing. So I just want to thank you guys for your support of this podcast. I want to make sure you know that Western Hunter Magazine and Elk Hunter Magazine are sponsors of this podcast, and they are getting close to the end of their promotion Uh, If you go to westernhunter.net forward slash jscott, you'll be prompted to enter your email address. Uh, You get a chance to, you'll be in a drawing uh, to win a $1,500 Swarovski uh, credit through one of the other sponsors of the podcast, The Outdoorsman's. So all you have to do is go to jace, or excuse me, go to westernhunter.net forward slash jscott. It'll take you to a screen. You'll be prompted to enter your email address. On July 15th, they're going to be announcing the winner. Uh, The winner's going to get a $1,500 credit for Swarovski product through the Outdoorsman's. Uh, So just go check them out. Uh, I want to thank you guys uh, for listening. I want to thank my additional sponsors. Uh, GoHunt.com Insider, as you guys know, has been the title sponsor of this podcast from the beginning. Uh, Lorenzo and Chris Porter and their crew over there, Brady Miller, have done a phenomenal job with GoHunt.com and GoHunt.com Insider. Uh, As you know, uh, you you will receive a $50 Kuyu gift card uh, when signing up for GoHunt.com Insider. Uh, You you get a $50 Kuyu gift card just for signing up. And and, uh, uh, they're just doing a phenomenal job with their filtering 2.0, with the draw odds, with the harvest statistics. And uh, guys, there's some real exciting news coming, uh, but I probably can't release it here for another few days. Uh, But stay tuned. Real exciting stuff coming with GoHunt.com Insider. Uh, Their filtering 2.0. Uh, resource is unreal uh, and uh, just uh, want to make sure you guys know about that go check them out uh, use the J Scott promo code and get a $50 Kuyu gift card uh, also want to thank my additional sponsors Phonescope Utah Hydrographics Wilderness Athlete and the Outdoorsman's uh, without these guys uh, sponsorship uh, this podcast wouldn't be possible And, of course, without you guys, 
this podcast wouldn't be possible. I want to remind you that uh, with all these companies, uh, if you use the J. Scott promo code with the Outdoorsman's Wilderness Athlete, uh, Utah Hydrographics, Phonescope, you get a 10% discount. Um, so make sure you utilize uh, the, that great offer that these companies are giving. I uh, also want to tell you about uh, my website, jscottoutdoors.com, is being uh, revised and revamped. Uh, I've uh, partnered with uh, Craig Steele of CS Creativity. Uh, he does a phenomenal job. You can go over there right now and actually check out kind of the new format of the website. It's still a work in progress. Um, it's just kind of the face and the shell of what the website will be. Uh, but we needed a place where uh, it was a little bit more formal, where all the new listeners and all you guys, my loyal supporters, could go and have a place where you could you know, click on my Facebook link, click on the Instagram link, click on my YouTube link. Um, and be able to find some more of my digiscoping content and my field judging uh, elk and sheep content uh, kind of all in one centralized place. And, of course, you can listen to the podcast as well, and you can link out uh, to the podcast uh, from the website. So go check out jscottoutdoors.com, also jscottoutdoorspodcast.com. Both of those domain addresses uh, go to the same spot. And uh, we're just trying to consolidate, make it a little bit more simple uh, for you guys, the listeners. Uh, I just want to thank you guys uh, for all your support. If you do want to send me email questions, I love all the questions. I love answering them. I try and respond immediately by email. Uh, But we're going to be, just like this episode, I'm going to be showcasing as many questions as as I can uh, and trying to get this information out there to you guys. So please send me emails at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. If you have any questions, I'll try to get to the bottom of it. If I don't know the answer, uh, I'll find out who does. So guys, thanks for your support. Let's get right to this episode. Guys, to see this release in video form, go to kuyu.com and you can go to the link where you can actually watch and see all these products. So check out kuyu.com. Hey, this is Jason, and welcome to another edition of Kuyu Live. It's great to have you all here. We've had another amazing response. It's our largest uh, response before the event we've ever had. So I just want to say thanks to everybody. I know people have logged on throughout the world, and we've got some exciting products to cover today, a whole range of things. And I want to do, instead of an individual product launch, talk about the different products that we're going to be releasing, and then some updates we've done on a couple products that I want to bring to your attention. And the first is the Mountain Star Tent. And in the development of our four-season Storm Star Tent, we really uh, began to realize the benefits to creating a unidirectional tent, meaning you're going to sleep in one direction, and then designing around that. And the, so we've implemented the changes from the Storm Star into the Mountain Star and you're going to find the trapezoidal floor design that you find in the Storm Star and the, the new updated Mountain Star. And also, we created the vestibules to be unidirectional, meaning you're going to put them into the wind. And then the openings uh, are according, are designed around that so that the wind uh, has, uh, doesn't have the ability to, to dive into the vestibules and into the tent when you open them up. And so you're going to face the tent into the wind uphill, sleep uphill, and then you're going to have more 
room in your shoulders and a little less room at your feet where you don't need it and really creates just a more functional tent design. And so you're going to see that in the new Mountain Stars that, that we are shipping now. And it's, it's an added benefit at no additional cost. So I want to bring that to your attention. And then for those of you that have signed up and are participating on the Giru uh, beta test team have seen this product. But we've, as with other products that we've introduced, really took customer feedback and then our own experiences in uh, products to really improve them using uh, better designs and better materials. And we've done that with game bags. I'm going to show you those today. And really looking at what's available out there in game bags and what I've used in the past and what guys here have used in the past as customers is that uh, for backpack hunting, there really wasn't a good game bag system that was developed. Traditionally using older style game bags um, that were either thin and not very durable or thicker and heavy material bags. And they're all basically the same shape, a rectangular design with single stitch seams. And when you put out a boned out, or put in boned out meat in these things, they just ball up, as you guys have all experienced and hard to manage, hard to carry around, hard to move, and end up in the bottom of your pack. And I wanted to create something that functioned better than that, and I wanted to use better materials and better design. So, as I showed you earlier, we've created a system approach to game bags. So, for boned out meat and for quarters, um, you can build a comprehensive system within our game bag designs. And the, the, one of the unique products in our system is this, essentially it's a, it's a small duffel bag with a top YKK zip, and... Um, this is designed for your boned out meat. And if you're going to be doing a backpack hunt like I do on my sheep hunts, we're going to bone out the animal completely. So I'll carry multiple um, bags of these zipper game bags, um, you know, three or four bags that can carry all the boned out meat. And the thought around this design was to have a bag design that would be easy to put the meat in as you bone it off the animal. And if you're in an environment with lots of flies or dirt, you could shut it um, and keep it closed and keep the flies out as you're going through processing the meat. And then once it's full, an easier way to carry it. And there are some you know, bone-out sleeve type of game bag systems or uh, products that are out there. And you know, grabbing those when they're full of meat is always hard. It's hard to get in the bag and it's hard to hang it, hang it when you're back at camp. And so some thought in the design. We added a handle, handles uh, to this bag, some lightweight nylon handles that are really durable. And then also some um, webbing loops that are reflective here at the ends of this bag. So you can t- attach our pack accessory straps to them if you want to create a handle, or you're going to hang it up in a tree. And these come in three different sizes depending on what your needs are. And they're really, really convenient uh, to carry, to handle, to move uh, meat within your pack and, your, and in and around camp when you get there. So you're going to find uh, a small, a medium, and a large, large size zipper duffel depending on what animal you're hunting and what your needs are. And then to go along with these zippered game bags, we have uh, developed quarter bags as well. So if you need quarter bags, you have to leave your quarter, you're, you're going to leave the, the, meat, the bone in. We developed uh, four different sizes, small, medium to large, depending on you know, whether you're doing deer, um, large size deer, elk, or moose. And if you are going to be bringing in quarter bags and that's how you're going to be handling the meat, a great way to do it is you take your quarter bags, and then you would put it into your uh, zipper meat bag because we're all going to have the neck meat, the back straps to go in together. What makes this 
th- these quarter bags, and really our game bag system unique is the fabric that went into it. It's a Teslon nylon fabric that's incredibly durable uh, for its weight. It's breathable, so allow air to pass through, but it's not so breathable that you know flies or billow flies can can um, put larvae onto your or eggs onto your to your meat. Um, and we found these bags clean incredibly well compared to what's out there after use. And that handling them and moving them, um, I tested mine on a couple of moose uh, quarters last year. And you can really get your hand on it, and you, you know they don't tear. Uh, they're incredibly durable, and they're going to last a very, very long time. And we did a design on this bag with the thought of where you're going to have stress points within this bag. And that's the, the bottom seam. And we did a continuous uh, a seam or um, panel construction on this where there's no seam on the bottom with two side panels on the side. And we used a high visibility orange on the side panels so that if it's hung in the tree, they're easy to spot. Or if they're in your pack, in your load sleeve, you can have that high visibility orange on the side panels. And we added in uh, webbing loops with a selective on it so you can spot these things at night if you have them hung up. And then they've got a, a 9166 cord and Duraflex tension lock. So just better hardware, better design, and then the seams are all double-felled, double-stitched uh, double seams, like what we use in our tent design. So incredibly durable, more thought to these bags and the design and the construction and the quality and the fabric. So big improvement to what's out there. And then you get this, these bags at a really amazing price because of our business model. So everyone needs game bags. You will not find a better game bag than, than what we've created. I guarantee it. So something I've always brought on all my hunts because we sit and do a lot of glassing um, is a glassing pad. And I've liked to put my foam pad between our pack frame and our bags, but over time that, that foam has a tendency to squeak. So what we've done is taken an uh, open cell foam, covered it with uh, our Cordura pack fabric, the 330 uh, denier fabric, and put in web loops so you can clip it into your pack. And this slides for me where I put it is between our frame and our bag. And it's a really useful pad. I use it around camp, setting up tents, um, butchering game, and then obviously sitting and glassing and at night uh, while you're sitting having dinner at camp. And I take mine everywhere. And so we just, I wanted to introduce this as a product because it's what I'm using, and I just absolutely love it. So these are going to be available this summer as well. product we've had a lot of requests for from customers is, um, who've used our Yukon gators, is for us to develop a lightweight, what we call a scree gator. So it's a non-membrane gator, meaning it's not waterproof or breathable. Um, it does have durable water repellency on it. We used a stretched Cordura fabric for this product, and then we used a 330-denier den- high-tenacity Cordura fabric on the inner cuff that's, that's glued and then stitched. And this has got a uh, Velcro front opening. As you can see here, like we do with our Yukon gators. And it has a siliconized sleeve here at the top, so it's going to get you can build a sensitivity down and keep it in place. And where I'm using the scree gator is hunts that I'm not in deep snow or high moisture, but I want to keep, um, you know, whether it's rocks, debris, stickers, stuff out of my boots. And or if I'm hunting in our Tiburon shorts in hot weather, I throw these things on and keeps everything out of my socks and my boots as well. And it's got the same type of material that we use for our Yukon gators for the strap that goes underneath. So it's, it's really durable, and we have uh, really tested this thing out all last year and absolutely love it. If you haven't used a scree gator, you're going to definitely 
like having one, and you'll probably never not use it if you're not using the Yukon gators for your earlier season hunts. And these will be available out as well, and they're going to come in camouflage, and then also in a neutral gray color as well if you don't want to run camo on that. So we've added um, a new glove to our lineup, and then we've made some improvements uh, to our Peloton 200 glove. So we added a Peloton 130 uh, glove to our lineup, and that's uh, a lightweight glove. It's, it's our base layer material. It's, if you, those of you that have our Peloton base layers, they're, it's amazingly durable material. It has no elastic. And we did this to really create a hand cover for hotter weather hunts. We're trying to have concealment. Shooting your bow, you can't have a lot uh, of thickness here in the hand. And so that's what this glove is designed for. It also is a great glove to wear as a liner glove as well with colder weather hunts. You can slide this easily into other, other gloves. And if you've got to take your hands out to operate and shoot, you've got some sort of protection. So another great glove addition to our lineup. And something that um, we added to the Peloton 200 glove because this glove is so useful is uh, we wanted the ability to operate uh, your smartphones and added a conductive patch to the index finger and the thumbs of this glove. Let's just add more use to it without having to pull your gloves off to operate it. So if you want to text or Instagram or send hero shots or photos that you took off your, your digiscopes, you can do that without taking your gloves off. And then, really, uh, the biggest introduction we have today and the biggest innovation that we have in this release is a concept that was introduced to me uh, a year and a half ago and uh, through a carbon fiber engineering company. Um, and it's called Spread Toe Carbon Fiber. And it's, a, it's really the next level of innovation in carbon fiber. It was created for the aerospace industry and now is finally available for commercial use. And as soon as I found out about this concept coming to market, we got our hands on some and started to test it and develop it into our, into our icon frames. And what we found is really a drastic improvement um, without adding any more expense or weight based on the makeup of spread toe carbon fiber. And visually, you'll be able to look at this frame and see a difference. You know, traditional carbon fiber, you'll see the woven uh, material which is what you're familiar with when you look at carbon fiber. When you look at this frame, you'll see it looks different. Um, you'll see more of a box um, look on the carbon fiber, and that's because of how they make it. And uh, they call it spread toe for a reason. So traditional carbon fiber is round, and what they will do is then weave it together, which is that look that you're familiar with. And Functionally, it's fine. It's worked well. Um, and when you make a part with carbon fiber, you impregnate resin into it. And the resin is what it hardens up the fabric, which is carbon fiber, and creates the component. And the woven material has voids. It might be really small, but there are voids there because of the weave, and it collects the resin. The resin has no intrinsic performance value. And what they did with spread toe was instead of round fibers, they flattened them out. So if you look at these in a microscope, You'll, you'll see that the, the toe has been spread or flattened. And instead of weaving it, they have stitched it. And that's this, that's this cross-section you can see here um, on the horizontal axis within the carbon fiber uh, in this frame. And then it's a what we call a unidirectional fiber, meaning it's going to run one direction. So it's changed the way we've de designed and um, developed this frame because we now have the ability to... Uh, 
position the, the carbon fiber to where we need strength and stiffness and position it uh, in a different format for where we don't. And so what we have in this, in this frame is more fibers running on the vertical axis, which makes this frame stiffer and stronger under heavy loads. And then what you can't see under this frame is we've positioned at a cross angle at 45s more layers of the spread toe um, to add stiffness on a horizontal axis, but just enough to give the support this frame needs but not so much that it makes it uncomfortable to carry weight or loads in your pack. And what we've um, found out from this development and improvement in testing is that we have now have a frame that is five times stronger and stiffer on the horizontal axis and increase the performance with no weight penalty. So we now have a better heavy load-carrying frame that's more durable and functions better for use under heavy loads, and it's still comfortable to carry without heavy loads. So it's, a, it's really given us a, a nice step forward in performance. And there's no additional cost uh, uh, on, on the frame uh, for, for doing so, and no big weight penalty as well. It's the same weight. So just a great s- step forward in the advancement of carbon fiber we're able to implement here at Kuyo. It's one of the great things I love about this business model. It lets us continue to innovate. As things come to market, we're able to test it, develop it, and get it to market quicker than anybody else in, the, in, the, in our market, and, or quite frankly, in the other market. Um, so we, we, uh, we introduced the Ultra system a couple years ago, and with a focus on really focusing on uh, weight reduction and, and delivering the lightest heavy load-carrying frame pack in the world, which we achieved. And after two years of feedback and comments from customers, we've taken those, gone through them, and made some nice updates to this pack with that in mind. Um, first and foremost is the hip belt. So um, the original Ultra hip belt had structure in the back component of the belt, and, but not through uh, the front portion of the belt. And what we found is that it didn't carry heavy, heavy loads as well as Icon Pro. So we implemented that same concept into this belt. So it's going to distribute the weight better on your hips under heavy loads, and you'll notice a significant difference with that improvement. We've also added in the silicon print that you'll find on the Icon uh, Pro suspension into the Ultra suspension in a little bit different dot format. Um, these are incredibly durable. We've had great success with, with the longevity of this silicon uh, by Cortec. It's a, it's a different type of process that puts this on there than the normal siliconization that's not nearly as durable. You'll also find some nice changes in um, just some small features within the bag. Uh, you're going to find new Velcro closed uh, webbing keepers, and you're going to find them in almost every location. They're easily removable if you don't want them. You just, take, you just slide them out. Or you can keep them on, uh, depending on how you like to organize your organize your webbing. Uh, we've also added quick clips versus the, the previously used um, clips that you'll find here on the, on the lid on the side compression strap, so it's easier to take your bags on and off of this pack. And that's, you'll find that the compression points here and here. And then we've also, to help um, alleviate the, the point stress on this seam, with your compression straps, we've added in a hypalon patch with loops that connect these tension locks to help distribute this, the stress on this seam that we've, we've seen under uh, really strenuous conditions. Uh, we just wanted to make that more reinforced, which we did on the new Ultras. And then well, probably the biggest change to the Ultras this year is the fabric. And we went to a 
330 denier high tenacity Cordura. And we did that just to give the pack a little bit more durability and abrasion resistance for guys that, that are taking this pack uh, and really, really putting it through the paces um, and getting a lot of days in it. We want to just create a more, more durable bag uh, for the Ultras. So that's the updates on the Ultra. Um, these are going to be available now and some really nice improvements uh, to this bag line and continue the evolution of it, especially with the new spread toe carbon fiber. So we made, as we're always doing, we're upgrading and listening to customer feedback, and we did the same for the Icon Pro bags this year. We implemented the new spread toe carbon fiber frame. We added in the Velcro webbing keepers throughout. And then something else that we had suggestions on by customers was to uh, make this bag uh, easier to use if you weren't going to use the lid, make it convertible, essentially. And so we added in um, some new webbing uh, clips, up front that allows you to move the lid and then connect the shroud back and over the top. I'll show you how it works. So that if you pack in or you just want to hunt without the lid, it now makes a better pack for, for that type of hunting without the lid in the design. So you can see this pulls over. Um, these, these loops will clip onto what traditionally was your uh, clips for your lid and they just collect, connect over off of the shroud. And um, you're able to pull this back and over if you're not using a lid and uh, clip it and connect it. And now you've got a nice pack without a lid to, that you can hunt in. And um, that's one of the changes that we made this year to the Icon Pro Series along with the frame and then the uh, webbing keepers. So I want to bring that to your attention as well and those additional improvements. So that's going to take us through the spring updates to this point. And I know Pat's got some questions Love about this is we can get instant feedback and answer the questions, and so I'm going to answer the most common questions that have come in, and uh, we'll get through it, and then we're going to give away some product. So Elliot from Northwest Territories, Canada. Love that place, by the way. How does the breathability compare between the Scree and the Yukon? And the Scree Gators um, are designed without a membrane. They're not your wet weather choice for, for gators, and so the breathability in the screw gator is incredibly high where the Yukon's got the membrane in there, so it's not going to breathe quite as well. Really different uses. Joe Forty, oh, Jordy Fierglos from uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Hi, Jason. The new frame, is the new frame compatible, compatible with the older bag? Can any bag from either Icon Proline or Ultraline fit on the same frame and suspension? Absolutely it is. Uh, the frame dimensions and, and designs exactly the same. It has now has the spread toe carbon fiber. So Mike Kimball from Dawson Creek. When will the Canadian location be open? So something we didn't cover today. We have done a bunch of research on Canada and we'll be releasing an update on how we're going to be moving product into Canada here in the next few days. And we've got a great solution for our Canadian customers. We've spent a year and a half doing the research to best service our Canadian customers for Kuyu today. And we'll be sharing that with you soon on an uh, upcoming blog post. So, so stay tuned on that. Um, let's see. Joe Yu from Minnesota. Love the gear. Any plans for cold weather gear while hunting out of a tree stand? And something windproof with down insulation, possibly. And I mean, I don't have any near future plans to develop whitetail design gear. It's not in our DNA as a brand. It's something that I haven't personally spent a lot of time doing. 
And so, you know, the focus of Kuyu is, is really making ultralight mountain equipment and making equipment that really performs in those conditions. I know some people use our gear for whitetail hunting, and I, I think it's a great choice, although I don't know that it's the perfect choice for some situations in close encounters out of the tree. Um, so I don't really have any future plans. Um, our windproof down product is down with um, windproof um, insulation properties, so maybe something you want to look at, although it's not that quiet. Let's see. Bill Pascara from Forest Ranch, California. Can you explain the difference in how the new pack material will better benefit the user? So we talked about the frame and the differences of the material in the frame. On the bags and the Ultra, it's going to be a high, high, you know, more durable um, with the 330 denier high tenacity Cordura, higher abrasion resistance, and just last longer and be a better, really a better choice for this bag going forward for Kuyu and for our customers. It's a good question. Let's see. What advantage, or Curtis Molinick, and I don't have where he's from, what advantages do the new Kuyu game bags have over the average game bag today? Something we covered, but I'll run quickly back through it. So it's material, it's design, it's seam construction, and then the zippered meat bags are a much better designed option for managing boned out meat. And you can use this as a true game bag system. So I hope that answers that question. Last but not least, Alan Hatcher, can you use the extra large quarter bags to fit a whole skin out deer? Let me grab one. So it didn't really get into showing you the different size of the boned out uh, or the quarter bags. But this, the moose quarter bags, obviously very large, and you can slip this over a a skin deer carcass that's hanging and cinch it up, and it, it'll work really, really well. At least for the deer we're hunting out here out west. Some of the big whitetails, you know, you guys will have to decide if that, that's big enough, but it should fit a, a skin deer. And that's it for the questions. Pat, do you want to give away some gear? Absolutely. Great. All right, so we're going to give away... Wow, we're giving away lots of stuff today. Very generous. Uh, we're giving away an Icon Pro 3200 full kit. Love this pack. Uh, it's going to kit... Kip Peck of Fort Cobb, Oklahoma. Congratulations, Kip. Customer service will be contacting all of you that win, um, so hang tight on this. And then we're giving away an Ultra 3000 full kit, and that's going to Brian Clement from Houston, Texas. So congratulations, Brian. Peloton glove and glassing pad. That's going to Sean Hooten from Juneau, Alaska. You love that glassing pad when you're looking for sheep this year. Scree Gator and glassing pad. That's going to Paul Baird from Peoria, Arizona. Scree Gator is going to be perfect for you down there. And then the game bag bundle. Very creative, Pat. Four medium quarter bags and a small boned out game bag. And that's going to Tim Valdez from La, La Jara, Colorado. Congratulations, Tim. And I just want to say thanks to everybody that's logged on and taking the time to learn more about Cuyuta products and the new releases and Look forward to get this new product out, out to you guys. You guys are going to love it. And I wish you all luck this upcoming season. Hope you drew great tags. And let us know if you need product or have any questions on anything you might need for your upcoming hunts. We'll take care of you here at Kuyu. All right. Look for the next Kuyu Live.
Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we are going to cover a bunch of questions from you guys, the listeners. So I'm going to do my best to answer these questions. I want to thank you guys uh, for sending me questions. You, If you want to send me questions, you can send it to jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. And let's get into the first question here. First question comes from Scott Hill. Looks like Scott lives in Nevada. Says, Jay, I'm a big fan of you and your podcast. Keep up the great work. I'm reaching out to you because I'm really interested in hunting coos deer DIY and wanted to ask if you had any recommendations on a good unit to hunt for late archery over the counter. I was also interested if you recommend purchasing a mule deer tag along with a coos deer tag or if there's even any units that offer both of these opportunities. Uh, any help would be greatly appreciated, and I thank you in advance. So, Scott, I would direct you to the Arizona Game and Fish website. So that's azgfd.com, and you can click through and download the uh, regulations for the 2016 fall and the 2017 uh, over-the-counter. Uh, it covers the January 2017 seasons. It's going to be on page 40, and uh, there, there's basically two seasons. There's an early season, which is August 19th through September 8th, and there are uh, a handful of units that are open uh, at that time, uh, now, these are usually kind of velvet early season uh, hunts when it's warm. Uh, you've got units open, uh, unit 1, 2, 3B, 4A, 4B, 5A, 5B, 6A, 6B, uh, units 7, 8, 9, uh, unit 10, 15s, 16s, 17s, 18s. Uh, 19s, 20A, B, and C, 21, 22, 23, 24, 24B, 27, unit 28, and then 30A, 30B, 31, 32, 33, 34A, 34B, 35A, uh, 35B, 36A, 36B, 36C, 37A, 37, let's see, no, excuse me, not 37A, that looks like that's it for the early seasons. Now, of those units, uh, I'm going to say the areas that you probably want to focus on hunting in the early season are going to be units that are up in the uh, higher country that's going to be a little bit uh, more pleasant to hunt. Units like um, Unit 9, uh, 7, 8, 9 around the Flagstaff area, even a 6A. Uh, if you're in the uh, Heber Overguard area, you're probably looking at like a 4A or 4B. Um, over on the eastern part of the state, you're probably going to want to hunt Unit 1 or 27. Uh, and then 22, 23, 24A, and 24B are usually... Uh, Good producers of velvet uh, coos deer, which keep in mind, Scott, uh, on all over-the-counter deer hunts in Arizona, it is there's not two tags. You can shoot either a coos deer 
or a mule deer. You can shoot either or. You can only shoot one buck per calendar year, but that tag, I believe, is $300 for non-residents. That tag is valid for any antler deer. Um, if you're looking at units down south in the early season, uh, a lot of deer get harvested out of unit 33, 34A, um, and you know probably 36A. I would say is probably your best bet. Now, they have they have um, another season that opens up. Uh, in there's some units. Uh, that open up in December from December 9th through the 31st of 2016 and those units um, I really like uh, uh, unit 22 um, unit 23 uh, uh, 24a 24b uh, for coos deer uh, but it's also nice because the mule deer and the coos deer a lot of times in those kind of transition areas uh, in the ranges of say 3,000 even up to 4,000 feet you can get both mule deer and coos deer. Uh, coos deer typically don't inhabit much lower than 3,000 feet um, and, and on some occasions uh, that, that can change but usually coos deer kind of that four to you know 7,000 uh, feet range um, and then I think the best seasons of all are the January 1st through the 31st, 2017 uh, seasons. And uh, pop popular units uh, for that are um, also, you know, Unit 21, 22, 23, which are areas around Phoenix. Also 24A, 24B which is right there, you know, in the southeast part of, of, of the Phoenix Valley, the Metro Valley. Um, and if you're hunting up uh, or in southern Arizona, a lot of these southern Arizona units in the late December and January hunts, um, you know, the 31s, 32s, 33s, 34As, uh, those are... Um, very popular units where you can go and see a lot of deer and even in the 35A's, 35B's, 36A, B and C um, those are those are very popular. Um, you also get if you're looking for mule deer specifically um, you might want to check out uh, some of the December and uh, January seasons in uh, say units uh, you know, 39, 40A, 40B, 41, uh, 42, uh, 43A, 43B, 44A, 44B. Those are kind of southwest, uh, southwestern Arizona desert units. And those deer, the mule deer, typically are going to rut more um, anytime from, say, Christmas to, like, the second week in January. And the coos deer are going to be rutting pretty much the whole month of January with it peaking depending on where you're at in the central Arizona units like units uh, 6A, 21, 22, 23, 24A, 24B. They're probably going to be peaking. Um, the coos deer uh, rut's probably going to be a little bit early, probably, you know, anytime from... Uh, the last couple days of December through the first 10 days 
uh, say 15 days of January. Uh, the further south you go into units, say in southern Arizona, you know, the, the 30s, the 31s, 32s, 33s, 34, 35, 36s, uh, probably the best rut for coos deer you're going to um, see is, you know, from say the 10th of, of January through the end of the season through the 31st of January. So hopefully that helps you, Scott. I uh, really appreciate your support of the podcast. And uh, uh, thank you for your support and keep the questions coming. If you've got anything else that I didn't cover, uh, please feel free to email me. Okay, I've got another question here from uh, Corey Doyle. Corey Doyle's from Utah. He says, great job on your podcast. I've been a hardcore listener for over a year now and love the content you put out and the guests you have on. I'm really interested in doing a coos deer hunt in the upcoming years with my 13-year-old son and wanted to pick your brain on some ideas. Your Mexico coos deer hunts are really intriguing, especially the option, and I think you uh, offer of putting hunters on a ranch for more of a DIY approach. What are the details on the cost of those hunts? Okay, the costs of the DIY hunts range anywhere from 2500 to I'm going to say $4,000, and a lot of that depends on your next question, which you say here, hunt time frame, question mark. Uh, A lot of it depends on how many guys you have in your group, uh, how many days you want to hunt. Do you want the ranch exclusively? Um, Your your cost can go up for your group if you want you guys to be the only people on the ranch the entire season. Uh, so cost is 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 twenty five hundred to four thousand, maybe as high as forty five hundred. You know, if you want cooks, if you want guides, if you want uh, you know uh, um, you know people to show you around and what have you, um, and you want to have a ranch and you want to you know have it exclusively, um, there every ranch in Mexico uh, gets what's called an UMA if they register the ranch for hunting and that UMA only allows so many deer per property. So if, if a group of four guys comes to me and they want to hunt a big ranch, but let's say that there's six tags total on the property and the rancher wants to sell all six tags, um, the cost per tag may go up, but the individual group may say, you know, we're willing to pay more per tag price and actually soak up those other tags, but we're only going to kill four deer. So hopefully that helps you a little bit. Quality and quantity of bucks. Uh, most of the properties that we would be dealing with would be uh, anywhere from, say, five bucks to 15 bucks a day. Um, and, you know, quantity uh, ranging anywhere from, you know, 70s, 80s, 90, 100 inch, 105, 110, and maybe 110 inch plus bucks. Uh, all ranches in Mexico seem to be different. Uh, the, the ranches that have uh, are in the oaks and, and, and the mesquites uh, typically, you know, have more deer. Uh, the deserty ranches tend to have less deer, but sometimes have higher, higher quality of bucks. So it really just depends, Corey, on what you're looking for. Um, the next question in this is, what guidance do you provide for hunters in this scenario? 
uh, it ranges, and he says, glassing spots, likely areas to hunt, camp, etc. That brings up a good point uh, for the for the price um, uh, of the hunts. It just um, it depends on most all of the properties are going to have uh, houses uh, that you can stay in, and uh, if if you uh, there are some ranches that, you know, you might pay a, a smaller price uh, and bring your own camping stuff and not stay in a house or some of the ranches don't have houses. So it's it's a real wide variety um, of price structure. But if you want to give me an email, tell me how many people in your group, um, you know, typically I do it for groups of four or more. Uh, I can put groups together uh, if that's something you're interested in. And how far are you booked out on these hunts? Uh, I, I usually only book for the for the very next year, like I'm booking for this coming season. Um, and it says a uh, uh, second part of his question is, uh, well, let me answer his. What guidance do you provide in this scenario, glass and spots? Uh, if I've been to the particular ranch and I know some roads and I know the glassing points, I can provide you with a, a Google Earth map. I can provide you with a hand-drawn map um, and, you know, say, you know, you might start here and then, and, and then move on from there. But this is a good starting point to glass. Uh, so some of the ranches are going to be, you know, you go down there, uh, maybe the owner escorts you to the ranch. Uh, maybe I draw you a map. Uh, you do all your own crossing. Uh, if you want someone to cross with you that's done it before, that's an extra cost. Um, but I can customize, uh, you know, whatever scenario you're looking for. Second part of the question, I would also really consider a good coos hunt in Arizona since I'm from Utah and live fairly close, but don't have any experience or knowledge of AZ units for coos deer. I have in-laws that own a place in Sun City. Are there any decent units close to Sun City that I might uh, consider trying to draw for a hunt in December slash January? Uh, any other units you would suggest for a good chance at a coos buck with my 13-year-old son? I would be interested in quantity of deer with a decent chance at a good buck. Okay, um... The answer to this this next question, coos deer units that are going to be close to Sun City, uh, really the closest coos deer to Sun City would be probably in Unit 21, um, and that would be just going north up the I-17 freeway, and you can access a lot of Unit 21 uh, off the I-17 freeway, either off the Bloody Basin or the Dugas or the... Um, uh, or through New River, or you can actually access through kind of Scottsdale and Cave Creek. But that's going to be archery deer um, over the counter. Um, and that's, you know, pride units 21, 22. Uh, but there's also some units where you could chase mule deer, probably close to your relative's house in Sun City. Uh, those units are going to be like a 20A, 20B, 20C. Um, maybe also like the units like around Wickenburg, um, like a 42, uh, and that's going to be only open in January. 42 is not open in, in December. Uh, so 
let's see. That's for coos deer. The, the coos deer. Any any chance for coos deer? I would probably look at not trying to stay at your in-laws uh, because your drive is probably going to be too far to just go in and go out. You could do it a little bit, but you'd probably end up burning yourself out. Um, you know, bring your tent and and I would probably recommend you know looking at unit 21, 22, 23 for coos deer and mule deer. Um, like the the Prior question with the gentleman, you can actually hunt any deer, any antler deer. Uh, so hopefully that answers your question and answers your question about the Mexico hunts. Thanks for thanks for sending me your questions. Here's another question from Dwayne. And I don't, I'm not sure where Dwayne's from here. My husband and I, uh, actually this is Dwayne and his wife. My husband and I are looking to hunt Goulds. Uh, we actually hunted in the Sierra Madres, but did not hit the timing right. We did not. We both did not kill. Um, and I'm looking for your dates for 2018 for Gould's Turkey in Mexico. Um, it says, is it safe? How far down do we travel? I'll, I'll go through these questions. First of all, I'm not really booking for 2018. Uh, I am booking for this coming spring, uh, 2017 Gould's Turkey in Mexico. Uh, so you can send me an email uh, if you're interested in hunting Gould's Turkey uh, this coming 2017. My hunt dates are going to be probably the last week of April and the first two weeks of May. I try and uh, base those seasons around the best gobbling time. Uh, is it safe and how far do we travel into Mexico? Uh, the question is, is it safe? I get it all the time. I've never had any problems uh, going down there in 17 years. Uh, good tips are to travel uh, during the uh, daylight hours and uh, not travel at night. Uh, good tips are to travel together. Uh, just normal uh, everyday safety uh, tips that would, you would use if you were going into another country. How far do we travel into Mexico? Uh, that varies. It's anywhere from, say, uh, 30 miles uh, to 100 miles uh, south of the Mexican border. Uh, we also are going to do some hunts in Chihuahua, Mexico uh, in 2017 for Gould's Turkey, some of which we will be driving. Uh, most of the hunters fly into the Tucson International Airport. Um, the Chihuahua hunts, uh, they will have the choice also. They can fly right into Chihuahua City and uh, we will be there to pick them up. Uh, season dates, like I said, are the last week of April, first two weeks of May. Uh, her question or his question here is type of hunting, run and gun or sit at a water uh, a tank. Uh, the type of hunting is everything from roosting them in the evenings to making a game plan uh, to hunting them right off the roost in the morning to running and gunning kind of uh, mid-morning to making kind of an afternoon kind of set type of a play. Yes, sometimes at water tanks, uh, sometimes in feeding areas and try and hunt them in the afternoons and then as the evening progresses, try and hunt them right up until the time they roost and then leave them alone and and uh, try and get right back in there the next morning. Uh, how many days hunt will we hunt? It totally depends on 
uh, how many people in your group, you know, whether you have two people or four people or six people, or um, I can customize uh, the trip. Normally, they're about two and a half or three days long. Uh, I've had very, very good success with my Gould's turkey hunt and had a lot of hunts, uh, everybody fill out in the first day or two. Um, and, you know, sometimes I just hunt with two people and sometimes we're done the first morning. It also depends on how many birds you want to shoot, um, whether you want to do a one bird hunt or a two bird hunt. You want to know what's included in the hunt. Uh, what's included is transportation to the ranch, uh, transportation during the hunt of the ranch, uh, you get a guide that's going to know the ranch and call in turkeys um, and going to take care of your turkeys once you uh, harvest your turkey. Uh, we're going to get them ready for uh, your taxidermist. Uh, they do have to go to a USDA approved established uh, taxidermist. Uh, so that I have, you can actually go on uh, Google search USDA approved establishment taxidermist to find out if there's an approved establishment near you. Uh, most states have multiple taxidermists within the state that that are uh, an approved establishment. And um, Dwayne, thank you for your question. Hopefully that helps. If you guys have any questions, you can email me about it at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Okay, this next question is from Wisconsin Whitetail Hunter. And I actually don't have his name. And he sent me several uh, questions. I'm a mid, uh, or he sent me several. Uh, Hi, Jay. Uh, really enjoy the podcast. I'm a Midwesterner and do a fair amount of hunting out west and love chasing elk. I have nine points in Arizona for deer. I'm having a tough time understanding the passion you all have for coos deer. I want to have the same passion and get excited about the gray ghost, but it's not happen happening naturally. Uh, we have big whitetails here in the Midwest, so it's hard to get excited about chasing these whitetails. What makes hunting so addicting and exciting? Um, and and I've replied uh, four times on this, and it keeps bouncing back. And then here he says, uh, I found all of your replies in my trash. I'm not sure why they're going there. Um, sorry for the trouble. Thanks for your reply. I, uh, I do have 10 points now uh, in Arizona. Should I keep applying for mule deer or is there a head and shoulders above unit for coos? Is it worth burning the bonus points? To me, that's kind of a loaded question. Uh, coos deer are something that I think you get an acquired taste for as you hunt them. Uh, Dar and I uh, were head over heels uh, about coos deer as we are mule deer. Um, and there, it's a totally different hunt uh, in a lot of cases from mule deer. Uh, it's a ton of glassing. Um, the country's unbelievable because you go anywhere from, say, you know, 3,000 feet to, you know, 6,000 feet with, you know, real pretty yellow grass and, and mesquite and ocotillo kind of in the deserty country as it rolls up into the oaks and, and the transition area. You know, if, if you're totally set on the size of, of deer antlers, um, certainly the biggest coos deer in the world are never going to uh, be anywhere close to the biggest mule deer uh, antlers in the world. But I will tell you, I've had a lot of Midwest and Eastern 
whitetail hunters come out and hunt with Dara and I uh, through Colburn and Scott Outfitters uh, com, and they all say the same thing that the actual coos deer antlers look bigger on the head than some of the Midwest deer because the Midwest deer you know are sometimes pushing 300 pounds whereas coos deer you know 100 to 120 pounds on a, on a really big bodied coos deer buck you, you know you're at 100 maybe 120 pounds max um, so proportionate wise a big coos deer looks really big compared to the antlers compared to the body um, and so you know it sounds like you already have it in your mind that you know you're gonna have to be blown away to have a coos deer experience so I can't really answer that for you and I would hate to say yeah you know blow your 10 points um, and come out and hunt coos deer uh, but I think it's all in your mindset now with 10 points I think that puts you in a really rough spot because um, you know your likelihood of drawing a strip tag or a kaibab tag is not likely but you could draw a December coos deer tag with 10 points you're pretty close to being able to draw most units as a non-resident um, with, with 10 points uh, but you know if, if you're if you're expecting to come out and you know you, you have a hundred inch buck and, and, and you know that's a tremendous coos deer um, and you know they get much bigger than that but um, I, I would venture to say you come out and you see a 90 inch buck and you'd probably start shaking and get all excited um, but if you're the type that you know it's all about antler size then I would say you know probably stick with mule deer uh, with that being said you will not find in my mind a prettier deer uh, you will not find a more crafty and sneaky deer uh, you know most coos deer hunters just love the country that they live in they love everything there is about the animal and if you drew one of those December uh, coos deer tags um, you know after Christmas you're probably going to get some rutting activity and some really big bucks have, have been shot um, during that time and so you know I can't answer that question for you um, if, 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 you, if you're working I would say if, if you're mentally working this hard at it um, maybe just stick with a mule deer uh, but I would take a coos deer tag any day of the week I love them even the October the November the early December all of those tags are good with the exception of most of those units um, you know in those earlier hunts they have a lot of, of hunting pressure and so you've got to kind of get way back in the backcountry in order to to have an experience where you feel like you know there's not people crawling all over you. Here's a uh, question from Chase. Uh, I believe Chase is from Utah. Uh, just wanted to let you know the podcast is awesome. I love the information. I am able to pick up from you as well as the guests you have on the show. As a hunter from Utah, it was great to hear that you drew the beaver elk tag, and I wish you the best of success. My dad and I are relatively new to archery hunting, but we're able to draw Fish Lake archery tag a few years ago. Unfortunately, we were both unsuccessful due to rookie mistakes that I feel could have been prevented after listening to your podcasts. Anyway, I'm locked out of putting in for limited entry elk in Utah until 2019 so I'm looking to maximize my opportunities to shoot a big bull and wondering which states you have hunted elk in 
and possibly which states you feel give the best non-resident opportunities. That is kind of a complex question, Chase. Uh, I would tell you that if you have the resources to buy uh, landowner tags and you're not subject to the draw or only relying on the draws, first of all, I would tell you to, to apply uh, in all of the states. Uh, apply for Nevada, apply for Arizona, apply for New Mexico, Colorado, uh, Montana, Wyoming, um, I would apply for those states. Um, if you've got a decent amount of resources, uh, obviously buying a conservation permit, uh, landowner type permit in Utah uh, would be an option. I think buying a landowner permit in New Mexico uh, would be an option. Uh, you know, there, there's other options like uh, there's some places in Montana on private property that you can buy over-the-counter tags. Uh, so I would look at some of those opportunities. Um, I think if you're just relying on the draws and don't have the ability or option to, you know, spend somewhere between, you know, 5,000 on the low end to, you know, probably 40,000 on the high end, uh, with a lot of tags being able to probably be purchased around that 7,500 to 12,000 range, uh, you could probably get some really good tags for that. If that's not an option, uh, you have to be applying for all of these other states. The next thing I would look at is probably over-the-counter opportunities uh, in Colorado and over-the-counter opportunities maybe in Utah with, I believe, Colorado probably having uh, better better over-the-counter opportunities. Uh, also, potentially, maybe Idaho. Um, I have not hunted in Idaho, so um, but I, I believe they have over-the-counter opportunities there. Um, you know, elk has become a very, very popular animal to hunt, and tags uh, seem to be getting more pricey every, every year that goes by, um, but definitely an awesome animal to hunt. Uh, but if you have the resources, there's definitely hunts out there on reservations. Uh, there's, you know, reservations in, in New Mexico, reservations in Arizona um, that offer opportunities uh, if, if you have the resources. And, you know, unfortunately, that's just the game that we play. Uh, there's, there's, there's a limited resource, so obviously it's going to cause uh, the price for that limited resource to go up. So... Hopefully that helps uh, answer your question, Chase. Uh, congrats um, on drawing the Fish Lake tag. And sorry you guys weren't able to capitalize, but I really appreciate your support of the podcast.